Hey there, this is Jenny Chen. I'm the founder of 3D Heels. Welcome to the Lattice Podcast, the official podcast for 3D Heels. This is where you will find fun but in-depth conversations with technological game changers, creative minds, entrepreneurs, rule breakers, and more. Focusing on how we can use 3D technologies like 3D printing and bioprinting to reinvent healthcare and even life sciences. This podcast will also include AMA or Ask Me Anything sessions, past Instagram live interviews with influencers, and other direct engagements with our tribe. We can get started this time. Thank you for joining us, everybody. Um, who we have today is um, Dr. Matteo Zanfabro. I hope I'm, again, pronouncing your name right. Um, he is the doctor uh, of veterinary medicine, graduated just recently in 2017 from University of Parma, Italy. Um, and, and Matteo has been applying uh, 3D printing for veterinary practices ever since 2015, so while you were a student. Um, and he also has uh, his experimental thesis is called the use of 3D printing in preoperative surgical planning um, in animals, I'm assuming. And uh, he founded a private research project named 3D Veterinary Printing, focusing on clinical application of these technologies. Uh, in 2018, he won MSD Community Award for 3D Vet Project. In 2019 to 2020, uh, he was the research fellow at the OU Diagnostic Imaging at the University of Parma. He focused on technological transfer of playcast system, which we should talk a little bit about. And uh, now he's a member of R&D at ClayVet, um, which is a new company branch that designed and produced 3D printed made to measure veterinary medical devices, which we should also talk a little bit about. So Mathieu, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, I think before I have all these questions about just from the little information from your bio, um, I love, love to just hear your journey. We will also always want to invite people to uh, Instagram Live to share who they are, uh, behind, who are these people behind these amazing images and cases. Um, so why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? How did you become a veterinary uh, doctor? And then how did you become interested in 3D printing? Uh, okay. Okay. Thank you. Thank you very much for, for the interview. And um, I fell uh, I fell in love with 3D printing when I was uh, uh, in um, the third year of university. We studied five years for uh, in order to become a veterinary physician. And before falling in love with 3D printing, I fell in love with uh, radiology. So I started uh, uh, first with. Um, I was very passionate about CT scans, so I, I started to understand how um, boxes works and 3D stuff works. And after I heard about uh, an application uh, from human medicine uh, where uh, they were using uh, 3D printing to, to understand the, the anatomy before the uh, surgical operation. and. Um, I, I proposed an experimental thesis and we started uh, from the third year of university to do this kind of stuff. So I, I always worked with, uh, with these kind of things. 
and uh, my my first love is radiology so that that's that's why i started to to understand it to use 3d printing i share that same passion as you know i'm also a radiologist myself um but um I like to hear your thought on, you know, because your patients are different from mine. Mine follow instructions. Um, and they also about the same size. Um, so why don't you tell a little bit of any, you know, just facts to share with us. What are the differences of, you know, radiology for animals versus radiology for humans? Um, basically, it's, it's the same. The only difference is that we have to use anesthesia. Basically, all animals uh, where uh, when they are put uh, in the CT scans, MRI, they are always uh, under anesthesia, and uh, it's a little bit different with X-rays because you can usually uh, leave them uh, be, uh, you know, uh, uh, without uh, sedation or anesthesia. It depends. It depends on uh, the uh, kind of animal, <laughs> the, the character, basically. And um, uh, th that's that's the thing. The, the other the other things are basically the same because we use the same machines and we use the same. It's it's the, the same workflow. The only difference is that, and you have to do anesthesia and sedation, so uh, it's a little bit longer, basically, also for X-rays, especially. And um, we use also machines that are not so performing like uh, yours, so. Uh, basically, the first two years of uh, practice, I used a uh, one slice CT scanner, which was yes, one slice. <laughs> one slice. It was very very difficult to to do the segmentation. So we had uh, I used to work with um, strictly uh, work uh, with uh, the, the people in the CT scans because we if we if we wanted a model, we have to do the exam in a different way. So that's what the, the, the problem. But uh, with um, you know uh, not one last one slice scanners, uh, basically the, the, the one you can use uh, now, uh, it's very easy to do the segmentation. So that is uh, this is not mm, a problem anymore. Uh, I think we were the only one who was still using <laughs> one slice. So I cannot believe that you're still using one slice. I mean, that takes an hour just to scan. A head or something like that, right? It's super slow. Yes. You have to understand that basically animals do don't have brains, not like ours. Oh, that's true. Uh, that's a very tiny part, and you prefer to use the MRI for that kind of thing, also in veterinary medicine. Um, and also the uh, the size of the animals are are smaller. So um, once slice, it's it's not so bad as it seems, but it was very old. So the fact it was very um, difficult to, to use and uh, to be very, uh, you know, fast in doing your things. And you also have the anesthesia problem. So you, you have to do it uh, very, very quickly. And, but it's not a problem anymore. Now we have, in, in Parma, they have now a 20 or 30 slice CT scan. I don't remember the, the number. So it's, basically an, a new uh, category. <laughs> to do, to yeah. Do yeah. I, you know, guys, I don't want to, you know, dwell on imaging, but imaging is important because that's basically the data acquisition for 3D printing. So if you have garbage in, you're going to have garbage out. Yes. So we need to have really high imaging quality. So I have additional questions is, 
um, these, you know, it sounds like you're working with small animals, not elephant. So um, yes. do you have a smaller size of CT scanner or is it regular size? Human uh, sometimes for exotics, uh, it is possible to use uh, cone beam technology. So they use the, the the dental one. I don't like to call it that way, but it's another. You know, it's another technology, and um, the cost is uh, is lower, and so they can have a good potent imaging uh, without uh, the problems that you 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 have with a bigger. Um, you know, CT scanner or something like that. Uh, it's I, I prefer the, the the mainstream, right? Yeah. <laughs> but it is possible to to use also uh, uh, other other machines to do the same thing for animals that are smaller. Awesome. Um, and and the, the resolution of the current twenty slicer is that enough for your three D printing, or you think it, it can be improved? Um, it can be, of course, improved, and um, at the moment I'm not working anymore there. So basically, I don't know. Um, I, we are not working a lot with uh, with twenty with that bad machines. But uh, I worked with uh, sixteen um, slice or more more slice. So, and as you said, as you said uh, if you have garbage in you have garbage out and it's the same of the contrary so if you have a good quality on, on imaging segmentation is basically automatic i think basically you can you can work you can um, uh, design a better model but uh, basically if you have a good quality a good uh, raw data you can do your stuff uh, quickly so I think a couple of weeks ago, we had a 3D printing for veterinary practice webinar. And a lot of the cases are focusing on orthopedics in animals, uh, especially yes. small animals. Um, so that's for bone, that's focusing on bone. Um, are you guys also you know, working on segmentation for soft tissues and 3D printing soft tissue models as well? No, I have the, the, same, uh, the same experience. Basically, you want to... Um, you want a 3D model um, for bones, basically, but it's uh, a matter of surgeon, not from radiologist. We we can uh, basically print every every everything, but uh, if you don't have a physician, a surgeon that wants to use that model, this doesn't work. So basically, we are we are doing bone because the most surgeons want to try this thing on bones. Right, and That's also. Do you guys, just one last question from a radiologist like myself, is do you ingest, uh, inject contrast to some of your CTs? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, yes, yes. so the same thing, basically. It's the same thing. We, we started, uh, not me in general, veterinary practice uh, uh, with uh, radiology and CT scanning is based on human experience. So the, the, we have the same rules. It changed, of course, something, but uh, basically the same. That's super awesome. That's a, such a fascinating field in itself. Like, um, I want to learn how to read a dog anatomy at some point. It's just so fascinating. Uh, now, let's shift the gear towards more 3D printing. Um, I want to learn a little bit more about your journey in 3D printing. How did you encounter it? You know, how, who exposed you to this technology? And, and how did you find your way in, basically? Uh, as I, I said, I, I started with experimental thesis 
and I did uh, some workshops from um, some uh, resellers, Italian resellers with 3D printers. And I um, first, uh, starting with imaging and starting with 3D imaging, I first uh, um, learned uh, how to um, uh, design things on 3D with basically mesh mixer, but uh, I also tried Vinochros, Fusion. Uh, I, I had uh, some experience with other softwares and I still prefer mesh mixer. And um, after we, we did few cases for the thesis, so I, after the, the, this experience, uh, I graduated and the surgeon who tried first the, the thing asked me for other models. So uh, I decided to, um, you know, build this, uh, this project in order to uh, make um, colleagues understand how it works and uh, to build a sort of network, a little network. And uh, it, uh, it, it worked because I, I had um, basically, I had a many experience, not only in orthopedics, but uh, oral maxillofascial surgeries. And, um, and of course, with university, it was possible to do some models for um, students, basically, and for the teaching of anatomy and that kind of thing. Yeah, awesome. And I know you brought us a couple of cases. You want to show us some of those? Yes, I, I reprinted some, something because I, I want to, to show you. This is my, my favorite because it's the strangest uh, thing I ever done. And it is a kangaroo. I don't remember the, the species, if it was a wallaby or it was another thing. And he had, uh, or she, she had, because she was, she was a she, uh, she had uh, um, a lot of problems with uh, dental uh, abscesses. As, oh. as you see, it was basically a hole everywhere. And um, that this uh, model was requested in order to understand the uh, the anatomy, because basically in Italy you do, do not have so many kangaroos that uh, run everywhere, and you have to, uh, you know, uh, do something on, on the, the mouth. So they asked me that, and it was very, very, very interesting. And another, and my my first case is, uh, was um, a hip uh, made for the surgeons in order to uh, correct the um, the trauma the dog uh, had uh, on uh, with the this car. Is a dog hip. Okay. Yes. 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 Sorry. Yes. This is a. <laughs> and um, the the very interesting thing in veterinary medicine is that you go from uh, you all, you have all different sizes. This is the tiniest thing I ever done. In it is a cat. Mm -hmm. It's very 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 little. And uh, the biggest one I ever done, it's this, and it was a dog for orthopedics. So you can understand that it's very important to understand how you work on bone. And the same surgeon have to face these cases and this one. So uh, 3D printing could be very, very um, useful for, for understand the anatomy, for test the surgical approach and um, we had other other cases but not pre-operative pre surgical plan but also only for um, for tests um, for surgical oncology 
I did this one. So it's um, yeah. Can you explain to us a little anatomy here because uh, I don't think everybody understands what we're looking yes, at. Yes, this is a cat. <laughs> okay. okay. And these are the orb orbits, okay? It is, cut, it is cut completely on that side. And that, this was the tumor. I see. So the, the, the thing was to understand how a double extrusion 3D printing, 3D printer, could help these kind of surgeons, these, these specific surgeons, to um, prepare eventually um, a, a surgery and uh, then the, the surgical approach is very narrow in that in that kind of surgery. So you have to understand if you have the space to do something. So that was the the, the, the you know the approach to this kind of stuff. But it was only for a study. It's not something that we really employ in uh, surgical field. The only thing we had uh, uh, basically my, my experience is on orthopedics and oromaxillofacial. Uh, surgery. That's the two main things that I did on patients. And of course, I had for anatomy, for bone, uh, bone anatomy, and uh, visual anatomy for the students and other things. But basically, on, on pre-operative surgical planning is on, only bone, in my experience. And and for the pre-surgical planning applications that you're talking about, are they limited to just modeling, or do you also have surgical guides? And maybe even going into implants. Uh, no, I did only the the, the preoperative surgical thing because my competence was there. Uh, it is possible to uh, design surgical guides, but first you have you, you have to. Um, if you don't have the surgeon, you can you cannot do that. So you need a surgeon that wants to try this. And helps you understand where you have to put the screws and all the other things in the digital one before going in 3D printing. It is possible, but no one ever asked me to do that because no one. It's very difficult sometimes to make them understand how it works and how this could change the your workflow, and that's the problem. You have to change your your workflow in order to be uh, effective with 3D printing. So this is the the main difficulty that I ever encountered in my in my field. That's that's the thing. Yeah. So um, just on the anatomical 3D model side, um, how is the response from the surgeons that you gave this model? I mean, I'm assuming they're buying the models. No. Yes. <laughs> okay. Mm -hmm. So, so that means that they want it. Um, but my question is, um, is there like some particular cases that the surgeon really like, you know, you kind of get a feedback on where the most, mm -hmm. the largest market is? The, I, I think the, the, the real difference uh, in surgery with free printing is made on um, facial surgery. And I have the best experience from the best uh, feedbacks from surgeons from that kind of um, field. And this is because it's a very complicated uh, uh, thing to do in general. And it's very complicated also to understand it on 2D dimensions instead of other kind of pathologies or orthopedics uh, where you are, uh, you know, um, um, 
it's an, a habit to do it with 2D uh, reference uh, like Israel, so 3D is not always the best choice instead of oral mastigal facial surgery where X-rays are completely, um, it's not very good uh, to, to perform surgeries with only X-rays. So if, if you have a CT scan, you use a CT scan and also that image, it's not very clear and not very easy to understand. So with a free dependent model, they can, um, I don't know, they, they change completely the way they feel on the field. So um, they are more um, comfortable and this change also the emotion that they prove during the surgery and they are very uh, safe, they feel safe. So that's the, the, the main thing on oral facial surgery. Um, so now you have a you have graduated for a couple of years. I'm assuming that you're practicing as a veterinary doctor. Um, is a private practice, or you are part of the company that you were talking about the play vet? Uh, no, free, um, I used to practice uh, um, until I, I had, now I'm a, I have a full position in the company, so I'm not practicing now. But I I. I think in the future I, I will return to the, the field because I missed my clinical thing, <laughs> clinical yeah. cases. And uh, but at the moment um, my my work is here in in Playcaster under Playlet, so the veterinary part. Yeah. And we are combining these two things because uh, for some kind of applications uh, um, I have to 3D print from CT scanners, and I have. Um, for example, uh, an, an example that I can show you. Um, we treated this cat, which uh, was, uh, it, it, um, she has a very... Um, That's a cat uh, tail right there. Is that a tail in the bottom? Is that a tail or what is that? Uh, this is the thorax. The head is here. The tail is here. Oh. Like and this is the sternum. So, oh, okay. So, it was a uh, pectus excavatum. Wow. And uh, with uh, Playcast, we uh, designed a, a sort of uh, thing for the cat mm -hmm. in order to um, be able to pull uh, the sternum with uh, wires. And you know, um, all that, that thing was designed on a precise. Uh, position so uh, every week we, we the, the cat was was wearing this uh, so it's like a splint is a 3d printed splint with uh the places for the um the mechanical thing that was pulling the wires so every week without sedation without anesthesia we were able to pull the the wires in order to make the sternum stay uh, on the on the ventral aspects, okay, of the thorax, and um, the the cat uh, were uh, this uh, for four weeks, I remember, and all were were or is 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 went well, okay, and um, Wait, this why is are the, the, why do the cats need to wear a cast? Because you have to um, you have to. Um, uh, use the natural growth of the cat in order to correct that thing, that, that the disorder, 
And without the spleen, uh, this wasn't impossible, wasn't possible. And uh, the cat uh, suffered from continuously uh, respiratory crisis and it uh, needed uh, oxygen therapy and that kind of thing. And with the splint, uh, all this was, uh, was gone and uh, we were very happy because it's very difficult to um, make all this, these steps once uh, one another. And um, we, so we performed the CT scan. We used the CT scans for uh, print the model. We designed the splint uh, following uh, surgery, surgery instructions um, for the, the case and we put it on the cat and it was uh, fantastic. I, it was one of my favorite cases. So I just want to clarify, make sure that I understand. Um, the cat um, has some kind of chest deformity. Yes. And yes. then the surgeon went in to correct the deformity and then the cast, did, did the surgeon go in to correct the chest cavity or? No, no. we, the, the surgeons only needed to um, pass the wires uh, Okay. Uh, over the, the sternum. Okay. It, it is too tiny to do anything. Mm -hmm. the, the aorta was uh, basically sleeping on the, on the psychodial uh, uh, process. So um, that, that was a problem. And um, the, the thing is that we used 3D printing to prepare the surgery. That, that's the point. And also we used 3D printing to produce the splint that, yes. uh, that needed to correct okay. that. Got it. So first is a pre-surgical planning for you to place the wire correctly. Yes. And then two is also to design some kind of uh, cast to correct after the surgery over time. Yes, exactly. Almost like a dental aligner in a way, isn't it? it it's something like that. Yes, 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 yes. It's, you have to guarantee the um, tension in time and uh, that, that thing was possible with this kind of approach. And you have, you can, when you have to do this kind of stuff, you, you build your own spleen with what, what you have in clinics. You do not prepare this uh, so, um, so precisely. And our goal was to, um, demonstrate that you can use a CT scanner, a normal exam that you always do to um, diagnose this problem, to perform all these steps uh, only with a, a computer design uh, um, a CAD, a CAD software and a 3D printer. That, that was the, the workflow. And we still use it on, with Play, Playmat. This is the, the goal of the, of the branch. Yeah, so going back to, you know, one of the questions I asked you about whether or not you're practicing, the main reason I want to ask you is, you know, how often do you think normal, ordinary vet will start use 3D printing to treat their patients? Um, does it make economic sense to either do it themselves or send it out for someone else to do it? Um, at the moment, uh, I, I don't know. Yeah, the sense um, that I, I mean, uh, if they have the possibility and they understand how to use it, they ask me. And, but the thing is uh, to catch their attention and make them understand it's something that is possible to do and it is not something that is only on human medicine or it is only on research thing. It's something that you can use today and uh, 
our my models are not so expensive. It's uh, 100, 200 uh, euros for a basic size. So um, it's not so expensive. I use uh, low cost 3D printers, low cost material. It's very all, all my work is very low cost. So it's not something uh, related to the the cost of the of the model. It's something related to the workflow they use. So that's the thing. They have to understand how this thing could be employed in their workflow and their reality. When they understand that they, they can, there's no problem. They, they decide to try, in my experience. Yeah, I mean, you're obviously uh, an early adopter and uh, I think I'm also an early adopter as well. Um, and also you're a very entrepreneur, I can tell, because you just joined us. I'm assuming Play, Playcast is a startup Yes, Playcast is a yes. It's a human uh, human field startup. Yes. How did you How did you become part of that team? Um, we um, I I tried for few times to um, produce prosthetics, okay, um, orthotics and prosthetics for animals, and it was very complicated. Very very complicated. And um, I found Playcast on web, and they use um, technology that allows you to uh, map the 3D surface of the skin mm -hmm. in order to uh, make uh, that 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 um, that surface a model that you can put on CAD software and work on it and build something. And um, we we began to to. To, to, to know each other for that that contact and after uh, they decided to um, try uh, that the same technology on veterinary field in order to understand if it was possible to do the same thing they used to do in the human field in veterinary practice so we we began uh, one it was i don't remember one year two years ago uh, to work together with a fellowship in the university and now they hired me because we are uh, continuing uh, to, to, to push that, that this thing on the field and it is very interesting it, it's a very good project I think yeah I mean I think one of the trend that we're observing is that you know we are treating our pets and animals better and better um, over the time do you think the market is there right now for products like play vet or even just 3D printing in that at a larger scale? Uh, I think yes. I think yes. I believe in this because this is my work, so I believe the market is, uh, it, it is uh, here. Um, the thing is that you have to... Um, it's difficult to, to understand this question. Um, we do not have to uh, exaggerate with treatments. In general but there's no reason to to not treat uh, what we can already uh, treat like humans uh, it, the workload is the same I don't believe that there are two medicines there's only one medicine so maybe the money is different maybe the um, emotional thing of of course humans instead of animals is different but the you we use the same instruments and technology is everywhere so why we should not do that 
there's nothing to, to do with that. We, I, I, I really believe that uh, we are in the, in, the, in the right place and right time for this. I agree with you. So we're approaching the end of our interview, um, and I ask you to share with us what is your immediate future planning, uh, the next step you're going to do, uh, maybe even longer time, feel free to share with us. Um, the, the, my goal uh, is to continue uh, this kind of thing with Startup because I like this work and I like to uh, contribute to the design and all the workflows that are uh, very uncommon for me because I, I used to work on clinical fields so I, I like really, really much this, uh, this thing. And the other thing is I, I wanted to return to, you know, clinical field, not uh, 100 times, maybe only a, a percentage of my, my work. And I want to uh, return to radiology uh, because it's my first love and I will always love radiology. And I really, really, uh, I'm really fascinated by AI in general or application of AI and also to uh, augmented reality, which is something very, very cool. And it's also related to 3D imaging and 3D technology. So in order to project, uh, you know, things on patients, you have always to do the segmentation and the workflow, workflow is the same. It's not very, so uh, these are the fields that I, I really want to touch in some way in the future, uh, always, uh, being part of uh, Playcast, Playnet, uh, Startups thing and uh, the work I, I'm doing now because I, I, I really enjoy it. Yeah, no, I enjoy listening about your stories and your work. Uh, I also have some good news for you. Uh, we have actually two upcoming webinars, one focusing on AI and 3D printing and the other one is AR, VR. So I welcome everybody to join those. Um, thank you very much, Matteo, for this wonderful interview today. I look thank forward you. to speak seeing more of your uh, great posts. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Have a good night. Bye-bye. That's it for this episode. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at 3 Heels, and check out the links in the show notes. See you next time.